Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Nick O'Neill, Chief Revenue Officer and Co-Founder at digital marketing agency Hype and Dexter. Nick's got a wealth of experience in digital sales and marketing. In fact, I often refer to him as the best salesman I've ever met. His work history includes Sales Director at GrabOne, Head of Revenue at BuddyBid, Custom Radar and Integration Fox. He's got extensive B2B and B2C sales experience across all levels, from startups to enterprise level, and he's worked with some of the world's biggest brands. In his seven years at GrabOne, the company generated $100 million in revenue every year. Today, digital automation and innovation agency Hype and Dexter are going from strength to strength. Despite the challenging economic times, they were recently named HubSpot's Partner of the Year for the Asia-Pacific region. They were also named one of the world's first agencies to receive HubSpot's elite status, which is a huge achievement for a company founded just a few years ago. Hype and Dexter plan to continue on their current trajectory and aim to become the largest sales and marketing automation agency in Asia-Pacific. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thank you, Ben. Hey, can I get a copy of that and put it on my LinkedIn? Because that's a better synopsis than I've done myself. That's fantastic. That's a, wish you could. Hey, so so Nick, you, you and I first met when um, you were selling to me, I believe. And I, and I, I came out of that meeting thinking, um, geez, what a nice guy. And he really gets it. And, and I have found every time I ever have that discussion with you, um, you've got a really good way of building rapport with customers. And obviously, that's you know, a key part of your success. Can you talk to me about, you know, the, the approach you take to, to sales from, you know, fundamentally? Well, I think, so I actually care. I, think that's the, I mean, that, that when I work with a client, I'm kind of really interested. I'm interested in people in general, but I'm usually interested in their business and what makes it tick. And, you know, what are their trials and tribulations? And on a daily basis, what, you know, what keeps them going and what keeps them up at night? And if I can find out those things, because I'm interested, then usually I can help. And if I can't, I'll quite happily tell them that I can't. There's probably some secrets or some things that I do. I think that's it's really important because lots of salespeople, um, you know, will turn up to a meeting with a list of things they're selling and say, look, here's what I've got, which would you like? Which is the opposite approach, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, so that whole sales and marketing thing as well, I, salespeople and collateral and needing collateral and and wanting to go in there with an agenda. And I try not to have an agenda. Of course, I'm a sales guy. I, I always want to close a deal and make money for me and my company and, and all those sorts of things. We're having a commercial discussion, but it shouldn't, pro- well, I feel it's disingenuous to start there. It's more about, you know, what do you guys want? What are you interested in? How can I help? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and so, so you do that. You have that meeting with an individual, and you identify. Let's say you identify there is a need. What happens next for you in terms of process? Well, I'm the sales guy. I just sell the beers. I'm just trying to build the relationship. I've usually got a, a team of people significantly smarter than me that are going to solution it all. Come, I, I don't. I'm not going to try and come up with solutions on the spot. I actually used mm. to probably, and would put my foot in it and offer stuff that we don't sell or, or, yeah, or that yeah. can't be done or especially in technology now right like I, I, it really I'm, I'm i'm capturing 
their requirements and their wants and needs and their pain point, and then I'm taking it to smarter people than me to solution stuff. Um, mm -hmm. When I did sell off rate card or cookie cutter, I didn't really enjoy that process so much because, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was adding anything. Um, yeah. Now, you know, it's usually around trying to take that away and come back with something, I think. And when you have done that, when you come back to the to the prospect or the customer, um, how do you take it from, you know, presentation of a proposal through to completed sale? Because I think something that those not in sales often underestimate is the work it takes to get the, uh, you know, the kind of the, the ink on the paper. It's all about trust, right? Um, it's all about turning up. It's all about answering your phone when they ask the questions. It's um, mm -hmm. you're building rapport by um, not necessarily by listening and asking the right questions, but then going back with some insightful stuff. Um, I think more and more, so we don't sell anymore. I, so I want to dispel this sort of salespeople. People don't trust marketers. They don't trust salespeople. They don't, everyone wants to research themselves. They want to be more informed than we are. So you just give them the information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. control the narrative like i think there's some nuances and smarts to sales now around controlling narrative um but you know if i'm going to buy a 75 inch tv i'm going to look at lg samsung and panasonic and i want to know actually i'll probably ask my kid about pixels or hertz or yeah, things like that yeah. you know but i want to if i'm going into jb hi-fi and somewhere else i want to mm -hmm. be more informed than that guy who's gonna try and sell me the thing right yeah so yeah. So as salespeople, we, um, or consultants, as probably we want to be more presented as now, it's about delivering that, that content, that information, helping them with their research more than selling them something. And what about, what about the proactive side of it, the, identifying those opportunities? What's, what's the role of a salesperson in, in that sense? Well, um, this is where sales and marketing work together really nicely, right? I, I'm sad to say, no, not sad, happy. I don't do any outbound calling anymore. I just don't. Like we, you know, we have, no, I haven't picked up the phone and called a cold call for five years. We, I just, I don't. Um, I, I work with my marketing team. I've got a fantastic um, marketing colleague, um, Alex McCrill. He's our CMO and mm. we have really good sales and marketing alignment. He asked me what I want in customers. What, why did I lose them? What did I, and we have a great inbound funnel and I get great leads mm. and we've got a great channel. So, so we respect our channel. We look after our channel. They feed us leads. Um, I mean, gone once upon a time, mate, and, and you you would have been the same. Back in the day, you know, it was open yellow pages, ring a hundred people, yeah, um, get through to twenty of them, uh, get ten proposals, and and tell them that they had a problem, and that I was the only solution. And if they didn't <laughs> yeah, buy from yeah. me, their marriage was going to end or their business was going <laughs> to fail. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know if they had a budget. I was trying to create vaporware out of nothing. That you know, they were yeah. just a number or a website or a name. Maybe I'd been a little bit selective over who I was going to call because they had a website and I looked at their website and I knew that they needed traffic or that, you know, you, you can find, uh, you have the right qualification questions to ask them to get them on this journey of, oh, how much money are you spending in Google or how much you do, you know, all of those things. But I just, I actually just don't anymore. Um, and that's because we've got great 
sales and marketing alignment. You know, like we, we work really closely together and we've got, we get good leads. And if they're not good, I tell them and I tell them why. <laughs> and and they are smart enough to change the creative or the audience or the whatever so that we do get the right kind of leads. Okay, so so I'm keen to understand from a sales ops point of view, you, you know, obviously HubSpot is a CRM very close to your heart. I'm keen to understand the role that you believe CRM should play in in the uh, in the sales process and hear a little bit about how it works for you too. So, I think trust is implicit in the in in the relationship of selling or or supplying services or and a CRM is a really great tool to ensure that you know information about your customers, that you follow stuff up, that you do the thing that you said that you would do. And if and and that's by creating tasks or, you know, HubSpot is near and dear to my heart, but there's other good ones out there, Close.io and Pipedrive and it was Salesforce, even though it gives me the heebie-jeebies. A good CRM now does all of the yucky admin stuff that we used to have to do on a piece of paper like mm. or a task list or a reminder thing. If you've got good lead scoring in your CRM, like I can, this is going to sound terrible, but if I've got a customer who's hot and heavy, we, yeah. we get enough leads that I give them all the information, I feed them and I can enroll them in a sequence where they'll get an email from me that looks personalized, that feels personalized over the next five or six weeks where I'm just touching them. And I know that my, email that we've got an email that goes out once a month and we've got stuff that goes on LinkedIn and blogs that will touch them and mm -hmm. and if they click on that or if they come back to my old email or if they look at our blog of Salesforce versus HubSpot or if that their lead score will increase and I'll get a task in my inbox on Monday morning going hey Nick um George is back uh, and I'll be able to jump in the CRM and go oh he's read that and he's looked at that and he's looked at my old quote again which is probably why his lead score increase, he's worth a call. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not ringing. It's all about that buyer journey, right? Back in the day, Ryan would look across me on the, from the other side of the former CEO and now my business partner. And I could tell the look, the look was there's not enough money coming and we haven't got enough revenue. Start making calls and start <laughs> yelling at your sales reps to start making calls. Mm -hmm. And we would, we'd ring everybody, whether they were ready or not. And you sometimes you'd have in your gut, oh God, this customer, if I ring them now, they're going to be pissed off. They're not there yet. They're not in the, they're not at decision phase. Yes. But we needed to close. Like we had to make 150K the next day. Like, and if we yep, didn't, yep. the lights were going to get turned off and restructures were going to, have, you know, it was the grab yeah, yeah, was this yeah, pressure yeah. cooker, right? So we, mm -hmm. I'd stomp my feet and walk up and down the sales floor. And, you know, there's the 30 reps and I'd be, you know, I'd, and I'd be giving them the look that Ryan was giving me. <laughs> yeah. It was awful, you know, and, yeah. and that'd be like rabid dogs awful. ringing yeah, people yeah. who weren't, didn't want to be spoken to. Horrendous. Now, we do, you just don't, if if you've got your funnel right, you can tell where they are on their journey. Are, are they at awareness? Are they at pre-awareness? Are they in consideration? What content are they looking at? And then as a salesperson or a rep or a BDM or a consultant, whatever you want to call it, you continue to add reciprocity. Uh, add value and you will receive reciprocity sorry so you just keep adding value to them because we know that people take seven to ten pieces of content to to make a decision or, or information or whatever yes. so 
how can you get that in a very meaningful way over your sales process? How can you do it as quickly as possible? And reciprocity dictates that if you keep adding value, they're going to want to work with you or at least give you something. Hopefully it's their money. And, <laughs> you know, and, and the rest is, as they say, is history. So it's, it helps it helps you prioritise your actions and it ensures that through consistency, you start to build up trust with the clients. Oh, thank you for clearing that up. That's perfect. Yes. You could have right saved there. us a lot of time. Um, so <laughs> do you see that more clients are using CRMs these days? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, so Hypendex has grown incredibly in the last three to four years. And I, I think it's on the back of, so COVID, you know, like suddenly everyone went home and they were sharing spreadsheets and nobody knew whose customers were whose or, you know, mm. but it's also got easier. Like the, you know, the sales forces and the sugar CRMs, they were big, cumbersome, heavy admin. They were IT projects. They were, the new ones are, cloud-based switch them on don't need an admin you could turn it on yourself and do a really good job mm, mm. we can help you get there faster but you you don't like you don't actually that these new platforms should reduce friction they're easy to turn on you don't need admins that's what's driving the growth of crms they've just got easier to use yeah, and awesome. prettier hubspot's pretty it's just a nice place to be for the day you know like it's it's like g suite versus old which is really important you know it's it's actually really important when you know when your salespeople spend their day in that app i know myself i spend you know lots of my day in our crm it has to be easy to use otherwise it just doesn't get used right absolutely and technology projects fail because of user adoption Mm, you can you can you can have a great ba who does all of the questions and and gets the user stories and you know you could deliver this amazing product but if the people if you don't make it easy for the salespeople. And if yeah. the sa if it's not, there, you've got to make it their plan as well, right? So we're really good at getting people's buy-in and doing shadow sessions and, you know, mm -hmm. getting it, making it the sales. You've you've worked with salespeople for years. You're, you know, I mean, we're ego-driven, egomaniacs most of the time. Like you have to, sometimes <laughs> you have to make it their idea for yes. it to get delivered. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, human adoption and and putting that human element into the sales process and and delivering those things is really important and that that's also what's driving it now is, is that it's actually helping people close a deal i worked for Fron many many years ago and, and they had salesforce and they were salesforce partners and i always thought that my mediocre good looks but absolute charm and charisma were what were going to get me through every morning you know like i was like I, but I, you are I so lucky that this is an audio only podcast <laughs> i thought yeah but but i thought i'd have these great meetings with customers and like oh my god they were eating out of the palm of their hands and then i just forget to follow up or I, yeah. I just, yeah. and then barry with the brown shirt and the bad teeth was making more money than me and i was like what the hell's going on here yeah, and it, yeah. he was following a process he was putting stuff in the crm he was yeah. asking how their kids was were because he kicked a note on it you know it, it just yeah it, yeah those were big learning experiences for me when i realized charm and charisma alone wasn't going to get me through it well, it's funny isn't it because salespeople, we, we we love the the cut and thrust and the conversation and, and and all that sort of thing admin not that much fun but actually a process is just makes such a difference eh? Mm. I also want to hop back to something you, I was talking about. We have inbound leads now. It's really interesting. I'm dealing with lots, lots of salespeople now who, who we're getting sales and marketing alignment and we're getting leads and we're giving them leads. 
some salespeople don't like that, especially the old school school ones who like to hunt their prey and find it themselves and yeah, stalk yeah, it yeah. through the jungle and and follow them yes. up and go onto LinkedIn and then you know because we want to beat our chest at the end and go yes it was all me I did it you know I'm I'm this amazing hunter the sales hunter. Um, some of them don't like inbound leads and you know we've coached them on following up and response times and this leads as good as another lead and you still you can still be cool and you can still do it but also um jenny from marketing wrote a blog that brought them back into the funnel because you forgot to follow up but you yeah, can still yeah. take credit for the for the kill it just now there's a few more people on the team that's really interesting that's really interesting do you have um, a view on how marketing should work with sales? <laughs> Alex and I did the sales and marketing alignment session for, for our client. And we, we've got this sort of witty repartee where we bounce off each other and we do the same thing every time. And, you know, but it's all about when we were at Grab One, we had no sales and marketing alignment at all. We were talking different languages. We had different targets. They were it just, we were, and part of it was and why sorry to interrupt you but why 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 were you so um kind of siloed sales that think uh, we thought we were christmas we thought it was all about us right yeah we don't need you guys except before any campaign we wanted it uh, we wanted all the collateral which we probably wouldn't use but it was also around our egos we couldn't accept um that the deal didn't close because of me I had to blame someone it was usually marketing or, or technology yeah, yeah, or yeah, the weather yeah. or whatever you know yes. um we were diametrically opposed like we just we didn't um literally i think kpis and targets they were chasing a different thing from what we were chasing yeah uh, technology yeah I, I think all of those things and now sales and marketing alignment is essential we're not sales and marketing we're team revenue like that mm -hmm. that's what we are that's what we're after um you know, and and that's the important thing to think about now, I think, is, you know, we're all in it for the same game. So what's the overarching business goal? Um, you know, we want to increase from 10 to 12 million. Okay, well, sales, what are you going to do? Your goals are, oh, we want to sell to more tier one customers who, um, you know, uh, can spend 50 to, to 100K. Okay, cool. Well, marketing's goal is they need to get more leads of customers that are that size who can yeah. spend 50 to 100, you know, so oh yeah well that seems simple well we, we, we work with hundreds of companies every year from small catering companies through to fortune 500 global come and you sit down and with them and some of them have got it some of them don't some of them don't even have kpis some of them don't have business goals some have got them but they have not written down mm. marketing's got different ones from you know like some are fantastic some aren't and just actually in the we create an sla an SLA, which is normally between you know a provider and and an, and another company, but we create SLAs internally for them, and it's a really good process. It's so that you're accountable to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down to what's the technology? How often are you going to meet? You know, here's yes. your goals. Here's your goals. You know, um, and and that, but it's also a bit of a veil. Like we we use it to um, you know capture the lead scoring and what does an MQL look like? What's an XQL look like? So it's, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a good process. Okay. Let's look back on your career. Um, let's take a step before Hyperdexter, if you can. Yes. And think about the, as a salesperson, what was the, the sales achievement that you're proudest of in your career? I, I mean, my defining career, so uh, grab one would have been it, right? I never wanted to be a sales leader that just, 
we went from zero to 150 million in like 18 months or something. It was just ridiculous. I think it was the third employee. And then suddenly there was 10 of us. And and then, you know, somebody left and I got pushed into being a sales manager and I was terrible. I made terrible mistakes. Oh God, (laughs) they were horrible. I just, I, I just wanted to sell. I was good at selling and I I wasn't good, but I love people management now. And, you know, I think it was that grab one, we smashed Groupon. They never got a look in. They, I don't think they ever got past 5% market share. So he's this little, and, and that I think it was us and Korea were the only countries that, that kept Groupon below like 10% market wow. share or whatever, you know. That's cool. Yeah, Shane Bradley is a, is a great leader and, a, you know, he was very aggressive and, he, and, and we were, and we had this team where, you know, at one stage, I think we had 55 sales reps and we were sprinting and we were all going in the same direction and we had a great culture there, you know, there were ego driven and coin driven reps and we had, but we were all on a team. And we believed in what we what we believed in our customers and supporting them and doing what was right for them. And we were having fun and we were making money. And I, I think I was a big part of that culture and it was great fun. You know, we 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 killed it for a long time. That's wicked. That's wicked. And how important is, is believing in what you're selling? I can't. There's just no point. I couldn't sell anything that I didn't believe in. I literally disingenuous. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't do it, and I and I, I wouldn't be very good at it either. So you have to believe in what you're doing and what you're selling. And I'm I'm a I'm quite an operational salesperson. I like to really get into what is it we're selling, what does it do for the customer, how do we do it, what's the margins, mm-hmm. why are we doing it this way? Like I, I I like to break it all down and understand it before and i'm not that smart so it takes a while um for for me to be able to explain that back i I think what i what i can do is i can take kind of complex things and when i can figure that out i can relay that in layman's terms to most people which is part of my process you've worked with big companies you've worked with small companies what do big companies know that small ones don't or vice versa when it comes to growing sales probably data actionable data i don't know if that i think everybody knows that i think they've got it or that they're Mm. getting it or they know the value of it actually the bigger the company sometimes the and you would have experienced this right like the the more data the more challenging it can be um but i think innately businesses business owners salespeople, trailblazers whatever after a while you have good gut and intuition and feel but man, it's so much better if you can back that up with data and make decisions on it um, using that data. So for a small business, what have you? where have you seen that work? So everybody has the ability to capture data. And data is such a broad term. Asking your customers what they think of you is mm-hmm. data. Yeah. <laughs> and to, and to, so using NPS or just a survey or whatever. And then, but, but you have to action that, right? There's no point in doing a survey and everybody tells you that George is a t- terrible sales rep and nobody under- understands your product and your prices are too high and you just carry on merrily doing the same thing the next day. But you've yeah, got yeah. 70 of your 100 customers have told you these three things and overwhelmingly you see that and you don't act on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if your data dictates that, you know, the best sales reps don't do 100 calls a day. Adam makes five calls a day and he makes 150K for the company a year George makes 100 calls a day and he makes 60k for the company 
Mm-hmm. It could be Adam, could be George, could be the people, but but somewhere in there you'll find that there's a there's a, a cadence or a, a flow. Mm-hmm. So you you got to look at it, and and it doesn't that doesn't happen overnight. You've you've got to look at it over a period of time and and make decisions based on that. That's really good advice. Um, one thing that um, makes a massive difference to performance of sales teams is the way that you structure their incentivization, right? Oh, oh, oh. What if, I'd like to know what you've found over the years works, doesn't work, and what are some kind of key key principles people might bear in mind when approaching how to do it? It's so, so hard. I've found salespeople uh, ego-operated or coin-operated those are the two best, like one stroke the egos, proximal praise, all sorts of things. You can get reps to do amazing things without even paying them. Um, so, so they're good, you know. Um, coin operated, most reps will do the thing that you pay them to do. And if you pay them more to do one thing, they'll do that more. Right. You've got to be really, really careful because is that what's best for the customer? Is that what's best for the, 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 the company? Mm. We've... Ryan is my business partner and he's way smarter than me and like a real numbers guy. So I'd go on gut of how I could make people, you know, what would be their drivers and how could we, and he'd work out how we could make it work from a margin and a clip and a commission. And But we created over the years so many complex commission structures. Hmm. If you do that, you'll get an extra multiplier. If you do that it's so hard it's just got to be simple sell this do it right do no evil make sure the customer's happy make sure the the company gets margin and you'll get that clip if you can make that really really clear and obvious Mm. that's the best commission structure um always make sure that you've got enough margin uh it also depends on the product is it a SaaS product is it services how much Mm -hmm. you know like we sell services, flesh effectively, and projects. I mean, projects go wrong. You know what I what I sold in today. You know, there's we we run agile and things move and the customer changes and you know we've got to have great project managers who can identify that and go, oh, actually, you know, that's out of scope now. Mm-hmm. Nick didn't find that you you've got to change, but sometimes we don't, and you know, and the margins get very narrow on things if you've paid commission on something that suddenly isn't you know uh, isn't cost effective anymore you've got to be really careful if you try and claw back mm-hmm. against salespeople, ooh, that's not fun that's not motivating um so so what about what about balance of base versus uh commission look oh, i've tried all sorts over the years um i think and it depends on the level if you get hungry young juniors and you can pay them a really low base and really high at risk the right person you could get incredible results i think old workhorses like me you know we need a good base because i've got ex-wives and kids and mortgages mm-hmm. and things like that that's it my best reps i always like ones with credit card bills or who had cars that they couldn't afford or mortgage, <laughs> you know like you'd always look but that they, there were some motivating factors um it also again it depends you know like it, it really depends on that human um, but you also can't have different commission structures for different people and that gets yeah. you in a bunch of order too, right? So mo people, mo problems, you've gotta um you've gotta make it work for the masses, I guess. Um so I, I don't know. I, I think good base that 
that with enough at risk to keep them hungry. And if you can go uncapped because your product or your services are scalable enough to allow that, fantastic. Mm. If you can't, you can't. Yeah, okay, okay. And if they've got an outstanding credit card bill, even better. Yes. Hundred percent, brother. Yeah, I think you can check credit records and and credit data now, right? Like I, I'd be into it. It's all about the data. Hey, yeah. um, look, this this has been awesome, Nick. Just last question of the day. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice to our listeners, um, about sales that they could go in action tomorrow, what would it be? Stop selling. Just add value. Listen to your customers. Ask them what they want continually ask the ones that you won why they worked with you and what they did and what was the what, what was the product or the sales process or the thing and do more of that ask the ones who didn't buy from you why they didn't buy from you and fix it or do less of it fantastic Nick. really really good advice mate this is this has been great and thanks so much for your time awesome mate thanks for listening to this episode of the nz sales and marketing insider if you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.